Welcome back to Freezer Social. Come on, for the party. Today, we've got a big, big guest. Big guest? You know, I found this out. I didn't really know this. I've known him for a long time. Uh, a sufferer of PTSD, which is which is rife within yeah, our community. For real. Um, especially when it comes to the areas that we, we live in. London, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, most of our youth are probably going through PTSD. But anyway, let me introduce the man himself. Prince. Mr. C. Prince. Yo, thank you very much for coming in to share this story. Hey, this is big, man. Me and Prince, we go way back. How far back? 15 years ago. I'll tell you the story, innit? Please do. You know what I mean? Back in the day, obviously, man was trying to make it out of an MC, innit? Look, I was surprised. I was like, Swear. <laughs> it, 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 it blows my mind today. <laughs> <laughs> man used to take his CD in that Walkman. Yeah, you know I mean, and show yeah. my friends at, at school. And those days, Prince was gone with the MC game. He was hanging around with KID Kid yeah. and all of that. He was, he was, he was big in the game, in the scene. Harlsden, anyways. Prince was MCing, and I was just stepping in. You know what I mean? And we had a crew called Straight Estate. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and right. And then. I was just a mascot. I was. I, I just loved the idea of you know yeah. being in a crew. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not a yeah, gang, yeah. a crew. Yeah. But when we did get well, busy, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said Nah, nah. Too. Come on. There's a difference. We did. We did get busy though when we had to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Obviously. But um, <laughs> but I remember we, we we went to a set. So these guys went to a set, and I just happened to tag along. Went to a set up in Hendon. Yeah. And these guys were dropping bars, and I was loving the energy was live, and I was just like, man, I want to be involved in this. And I had an eight bar, I had an eight bar written, and I spit every now and again. These, <laughs> these men would be like, yo, you guys spit that eight bar again. I'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. come on, trauma, you know, all that. Can you, no, 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 can you please spit nah, that? Nah, I'm bar? not, I'm, let me finish the story first. Perhaps will tell you, anyways. So we get, we, we get in the studio, man like Premps drops his bar, everyone drops their bar, but there's a gap after Premps's eight bars. Four. Is before, it, before, it was, yeah. Until this day, you know, it irritates me. But guys, yeah. Remember. So there was a gap, and then everyone's looking around. So what are we gonna do about this gap? There's nothing, you know. We've got to fill this gap. And I'm just there thinking. You know, you got them secret guys that are willing to shine. You got the little eight bar in there. You know them ones. So they're obviously <laughs> zipped up in that pocket. And then we're like, Yo, Eli, you got that eight bar? I was like, Yeah, have I? You know them ones. I was trying to style. Which one? 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 Got, yeah, you know that. Join. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So I stepped in the studio. Take it you know, he's being so modest about this. Guy. This guy was you see when you go. Oh, like, he's when you go in a booth, this guy, you know, he, he likes to put the swoop in his shoulder <laughs> and he put the headphones in and then he does it. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I'm thinking, what's this guy about to do? Mm. Obviously, like the music scene, you can't hear it, and all you can hear is the 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 not the audio, you can hear the just the vocals. Mm. All you can hear is. It's trauma, put your life in danger, shake you with my bora, make you run for cover. It's teeth and art. Oh my ah! god. <laughs> like, I see Chris flying in the air, man, they were like, oh, he's flying in the air. He does it, he does it again. And then we play the, it with the bojo. And then, I'm supposed to go after this guy. Said, nah, I'm rewriting my bus. <laughs> I'm not ready because he's killed the song. He's he's actually mashed up the tune, you know. And the CD is somewhere, you know. We will. We I will. Yeah, I will. I will. I will. You know what? I I, I've got a CD somewhere in my house, yeah, and I must find this to a mixtape, bro. Because I promise you, sorry, I was taking that thing in my CD player. For real, I said, boys. 
Listen to my cousin, like. I think, I think at the time we, we recorded a lot of songs we at that time. A lot like, of songs, lot, we were a lot of because we used to come down to Stonebridge, Stonebridge, um, yeah, Radicals House, and we yeah, used to yeah, record yeah. a lot. Like every Friday, we used to come down and record like Bro. me, you, Akash, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Treads. We Treads. used to come down and record a lot. It's so a we, big crew, like so we, we had we, about twenty in that. Yeah, yeah, it became it became stupid at one stage, yeah. you know. And then obviously it dissolved. Things happened, you know. Yeah. But through that, me and Eli actually been able to maintain a mm. genuine, genuine relationship. Did you ever fall out of touch? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We went for a period before I trust, but I think, you know, you, you're finding yourself at the touch because you were still mm. young. I, I, was, I wasn't at crew when I was 14 years old. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And Eli was 15 at the time, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you get to the stage, as soon as you start to finish school, you separate everyone wants to fight, so everyone wants to be their own person. And I think I didn't see Eli, Eli again. Funny, that's all you again. Mm. In a in a rave in Sodich. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's when me and Eli then just kind of like reconnected because it was good to see him after you know, after you know, Eli getting stabbed and stuff like that. You know, so it was actually good to see him, and he was in a different life, different aura. And I was in a different aura in life, so it was good to see him. And we just you know from there. Bro, I wasn't very very short. I think I was there. I think was cold there. I think I was. I think yeah, I was there. Remember, remember with the one, but I'm wearing the blue one with the with the Burton glasses. <gasps> all I remember was I filmed you lot, and you lot were doing the skanks, the jungle skank or the oh, yes, skank. Yes, yeah, you were. I'm gonna say this on just for for the camera. I still have that footage. Dude, you, yo, you look, hey, bring it up. That's gonna go up on Insta. Stay so, tuned for that. You know what? He said I wasn't really. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, that was Taser's rave. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, actually yeah. the night I actually met. All, I mean, obviously, I knew Eli. That's the night I actually met Uli. Mm. For the first well, I was time. like 17 then. Mm. Ooh, like 17. Yeah, 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 yeah. I met, you know, Uli for the first time that time, and you know, here we are, but some 12 years later. But you know what? Again, thank you for coming in, man. Yeah, Let's yeah. get straight into the nitty gritty. Um, so obviously, know? a sufferer of PTSD. And you know, um, we, we saw some shocking stats the other day. I think is it one, one in thirteen suffer from PTSD before mm-hmm. the age of 18. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, what is PTSD? Sorry, before you say that, so we're saying that before a child becomes an adult, they've That's gone it. through a traumatic event. There you go. Okay. Uh, 100%. There you go. Um, so before I get in, I, I, let me answer your question first. Mm-hmm. So your, what's PTSD? So PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. So basically it's when you've gone through a traumatic experience in life mm-hmm. and you don't deal with it. So it continues to, to it continues to just keep on manifesting. Yeah, as life goes on, you you're not really dealing with the problem. You're having different symptoms of what's going on. You're feeling guilt, anxiety, mm. leads to depression. Some people say they feel numbing. Yeah, it does have a numbing feeling and, uh, to it, and you have isolation feelings. So you start it. you start to isolate yourself <coughs> from people because the the traumatic experience tends to take over you. So yeah. you know, for instance, obviously, let me just part it people that get molested when they're a child. Mm. That yeah. continues to, so it, when you hear people that, that's been molested and you find out they're very closed off as they get older mm-hmm. because they're still dealing with that traumatic experience. Yeah. If you know, it's like, say if you touch someone on the shoulder, it's been, you know, they jump mm. because, you know, they're still dealing with that and probably they haven't spoken about it or they don't know how to speak about it. Well, Some people don't even know they have PTSD. A hundred percent, and I can say this just for the record, and I'm speaking from a, um, a male's perspective and from coming from, I'm not going to say the roadsides, but... Just say inner London. In a, in a, let's say inner London. Urban community. There's a lot of, a lot of men that I'm, I've grown up with that actually do suffer with me. I don't realise they're suffering a bit. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and the reason why they were never realised they suffered because they're not speaking about their problems because yeah. as men we're taught to, you know, you know internalise our feelings. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And be, a man, be a man. Be a man and be a man, man and, yeah. and handle the And we situation. spoke about this in our last exactly. podcast yeah. about how yeah. the environment can have an effect on men's mental health, of their struggles. Of course, because, you know, for instance, you're not going to speak with your man them about and say, oh, I'm going through this because yeah, yeah. the man will turn around and be like to you, are you up at manor? Do you understand what I'm saying? So you don't want to look like, excuse my language, the pussy in the group. Mm -hmm. So you're always going to have your chest tight. But well, actually, certain times it's, yo, do you know what, man? Let's sit down, car. I'm going through things, man. And I kind of need your perspective or just an advice to tell me what's going through. Do you think that comes with age, though? Like, because when you're younger, your your mentality is different. 100%. As you get older, you start to realise that you're in more control of yourself. But then there's men that are now, let's say, in their 40s that don't do that. Okay, so that's what I was going to say next. So what we discussed last time is that, like, it actually comes with maturity more than anything. I think, no, but some people are still trapped in the mindset of, as you get older, you're supposed to mature, but there's some men, as they get older, they still think they're in a certain lifestyle. So they don't want to speak about their problems because they're still trying to uphold an image. Yeah. And when you're trying to uphold the yeah. image, you're not going to then display another yes. image where yeah. or question your character. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, yeah. you're not really getting your character questioned. You're actually just being a human. And I think what's going on in time is we forget we're human. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, we go through things. Mm. So, and I'm speaking from a male's perspective, because females go through it as well. Don't get me wrong. Actually, mm. the higher rate of females that go through it, but females tend to speak about their problems. You know, girls will have like one, two friends that they can yeah. let their emotions out. That's the thing. And, and before he even gets on top of them, they straight yeah, away, yeah, yeah. They, they pour it out. You Whereas know, men, we because we internalise it for so long, the small problem becomes magnified. Yeah, I've been at work, and and I've been at work and had a female colleague, and we just stayed talking and start crying. Wow. And she letting out her emotions to me, and she probably doesn't even know me that well, mm. but she's telling me, you know, this is what's going on at home, and I could offer you the smallest advice, and that's probably what she just needs. Mm. Yeah, and I yeah, probably don't have that, yeah. you know, I can't relate to what she's mm. going through, but I could probably offer some sort of, that's where, Vice versa, for a guy, if I'm at work and I'm going through things, you know, I try to blank it out and just act as normal because yeah. I'm not really trying to display my weakness in the work, in the work yeah. environment. Do you, so, feel, do you feel like if someone had come to you, say for example, in a work environment, say, you okay, Chris? And then, and then you're like, yeah, 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 and then, you okay, Chris? No, honestly, are you okay? Because you seem a bit down. Nah, I would be would like... Would you then open up or would you still be like, no, I'm good, man, don't I, worry? I'll tell you this, couple of years, couple of Months ago, I've still been like, Yeah, I'm okay, I'm alright. I'll flip and be like, What's wrong with you? Mm. You're right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Question, I'm question. Question. <laughs> question, you know, question yeah. me first, you know? Like, it's like, it's like your police officer interrogating me, like, mm. you know? Mm. I'll, I'll deflect it back onto you, and that's just because, you know, I don't really want to give you an insight to what I'm going through. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, and I'm very picky about who I so lay off information to, but. That's changed because right now I'm telling the world who I really am because really? people have this perception of who I'm this type of person and mm. that's fine, I have that perception but you need to understand I'm human in it. Human mm. as well, yeah. You know, <coughs> there's C preps, mm. you know, but really I'm Christopher. Do you mm. understand? I want people to understand who Christopher really is and what Christopher has really been going through mm. and hopefully, you know, when people understand what I've been going through behind the scenes, don't doesn't change the person who I am. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm still that same person, but it's just that, you know, mentally I've been going through certain things. And also just a 
use this as a platform for other men that are going through things to them. Do you want a way to open up? Because, as like I said, like we said before, as men, we shy away from mm-hmm. opening up, but mm-hmm. it's okay to speak about it. So, you know I mean? so let's take it to where it began then. Um, when did you, what's your earliest memory of, fe- of seeing trauma or feeling trauma? Um, it's mad you say that. So, okay, I'm 29 now. So I will take this back to when I was 10 years old yeah. and you probably wouldn't think nothing of it but yeah. um, I remember when my mum had a miscarriage but it was just the events of the stage that led mm-hmm. to a miscarriage where mm-hmm. we was in the house it was about 5am in the morning my mum was sleeping in the front room and for pregnant women that can relate when you're pregnant you, you sleep in weird places so I remember mm-hmm. when my daughter's mum was pregnant she found comfortably sleeping on the floor sometimes mm-hmm. I used to think they were weird my mum was sleeping in the front room. So I remember that day I slept in the front room, my mum slept on one sofa, I slept on the other sofa. Mm. And basically what had happened was, um, my mum was basically going through the stages of miscarriage. Mm. Obviously okay. we didn't, no one knows what's going on. We just think she's just going through pain because my mum had like a, my mum's always had like a bad pregnancy. So, you know, with my dad on my aunt is encouraging her for her, she wasn't going to go and then she ended up going. Mm. Again, yeah, you're 10, thinking nothing of it. I just want to go in a room and play PS, PS1, you know? And then um, I remember my dad coming back into the house later on that same day, and he's speaking to my aunt, and he said the words that oh, Sarah's passed away. But I didn't listen to the rest of the conversation. I just processed the part Sarah's passed away, wow. being my mum's passed away. I'm thinking, yeah. Mum was dead? Nah, you know what I mean? I'm looking at my brother, he's not really trying to say much, but I can see that he. Like, like, so to look him looking like a ghost, mm. I'm thinking, bruh, how are you? Something's happened. Something's happened, but mm. my mind's not, because I've got such a playful mind, my mind's not processing yes. what's going on. Yes. Do you understand yes. what I'm saying? But my brother's processing what's going on. His mood has completely changed. Mm. You know, he's snappy, he's, you know, I'm not processing nothing. So, I remember, I didn't think nothing of it. I started seeing my dad crying. I'm thinking, bruh, like, big man, why are you crying for? Do you know what I mean? I'm not deep in it. And then when he realises I'm there, he's like, go to your room, I'll find speak to you guys later. But my dad was shy, my dad shied away from speaking to us. Yeah. So my auntie, you know, came and was like, don't worry boys, everything's gonna be okay, da 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 da. You know, she's speaking to me and my young my young brother's like three, so he mm. don't understand nothing. She's speaking to me like this to say, you know, like it's a fairy tale. Yeah. Speaking to my older her my older cousin Tayo, he's come, but he's speaking to my brother more on an older level. Mm. Because obviously, there's, there's, I mean, something weird's going on. Cool. I remember the next day, um, my dad's picked me up from school, and then he's picked up my auntie, which is Shutz's mum. So, mm. Shutz is there, so we've gone to the hospital with my dad and his mum. And um, we get to this ward, it's called ICU. Okay. What's ICU? I don't know. I'm just thinking, okay, some alphabet thing in it. Mm. So, my dad's like, we can't go in. So, me and Shutz are sitting on the stairs playing with his Game Boy. And I remember seeing people in there, so I said to him, because Shots will tell you as a kid I was a bit mischievous. Mm. I said, let's go in. So we've gone in now and I see my mum hooked up to all these machines and I'm thinking, what the fuck? Like, hold on. Yeah, man said mum's dead. Why is she mm. hooked up to all these mm. machines? I can see the chew coming out of her mouth and all these things there. Not realising that my mum had been in a coma for three days. Not processing that. And I see my dad crying again. So I'm like, whoa, you know, this is mad. So when I got home, I said to my brother, like, yo, I saw mum today. So he's looking at me like, huh? Said, yeah, I swear, she had all these machines hooked up to her and that and that and that. Like, what's all of that, you know? You know? Mm-hmm. And he just, he explained it to me, but again, you're 10, you're not processing what it is. Mm-hmm. I've just gone off la di da di da, switched on the PlayStation, playing FIFA 2000, innit? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? 
So that's that. I never processed that experience till when I hit 17 mm. and my mum had a stroke. That's when I realised, oh shit, what happened seven years ago was actually serious. Yeah. But it started to play with my mind because it was like, rah, my mum could have passed away. Do you know what I mean? My mum's now having a stroke right in front of me in the same room. We're in the same environment where this happened. Mm. I'm seeing my mum like, you know, on the floor, can't move, and I'm I'm in bits, mash up. And then I remember obviously the ambulance coming to take her away and that and that. And I'm just thinking in my head, I'm just I just keep thinking. I'm not even thinking about what happened then, I'm thinking about what happened when I was ten. Mm. And I'm just like, rah, this is mad. Again, I'm not processing it that deep. I'm just thinking, this is mad. You know, going to the hospital to see my mum and my mum can't even lift up her hand. So I'm thinking, okay, this is bad. Is this bad, bad? Like, what's the levels of bad between mm. 2000 and 2007? How does this compare? My mum's just in the same position that I've seen her in seven years ago. Mm. So it's like effing with my head. And my dad would always ask me, are you alright? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm cool. So what I started doing was I stopped going to the hospital with my dad. So I just mm. go by myself and go see my mum. And every time I used to go see my mum, she was in a bad state. And when I did the hospital, I kind of teary-eyed a little bit like, mm. Mm. So what I started doing was, I stopped going in the front room in the house. I stayed okay. in my room. Or I would stay out late. Why? Because you just did the memories. Yeah, it was, it wasn't a nice place to be in. Yeah. Do you know, sitting there just like, mm, you know. Mm. It wasn't a nice place to be, just the whole layout and everything of it. You know, it just reminded me of mm. the two scenarios mm. that it just messed with my head. So basically, um, my behaviour at home started to change. You know. So sorry, let me ask you something quickly. Yeah. So from the age of ten, yeah, you seen your mum go through a traumatic yeah. event. Um, seen your mum hooked up to loads of different mm -hmm. things that mm -hmm. you can't really comprehend. Mm -hmm. It looks bad. Yeah. Um, Seventeen. You now I've seen your mum have strokes. Mm. And now you say your 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 behaviour at home is changing. Mm -hmm. So during that period, I wanna before you start saying your yeah, yeah. behaviour at home changing, were you acting out in that period? Or do you feel like you, you were you still hadn't really processed anything that was happening? I could tell you this my my feelings were very sensitive. Okay. So any little thing that, you know, came family orientated that I thought someone was taking a piss, I would snap. Mm -hmm. Because you know, just what I saw. I didn't understand what I saw. What I knew, what I saw was bad. And so, yeah, my dad had a hard time controlling me, basically, because obviously my mum spent a couple of months in hospital, <laughs> and um, I just went coming home at the time. But, but at the time, my people had moved out of the house. <laughs> so obviously my dad kind of tried to enforce him to keep eyes on me, but I was doing my own thing. Couldn't care less. So, I'll, you know. so do you think that that event Forced you to the rooms in a way, without you thinking about it. Subconsciously, yeah. Push you to the rooms. Yeah, subconsciously. You didn't want to be in that house. You want to be that trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sub subconsciously, I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be at home. Mm. I didn't even want to be anywhere near my house. To be honest mm. with you. Can I say? Just because I've not been through a scenario. Mm. Right? So when you talk about avoiding the front room, mm. when you go there, is it like you have a vision of what happened, or is it like a? It's like you can still picture yeah, everything that still happened. You can picture everything, but there was just an aura to the room that there was a spare negative, bare negativity into that room because of the two events that had happened. So, um, just I just felt away. Mm. I never liked being in there. 
The only way I, the, the only time I started to go back in the front room was when my mum and dad decided to redecorate the front room. Okay, so, it's so changed. they changed yeah. everything. So for me, it was it didn't the sofas changed, mm -hmm. the the flooring changed, the TV changed, mm -hmm. the curtains changed. So the the people say the feng shui of the room was different. Mm -hmm. The all different. I didn't look at it, just the the house and see everything the same, and that was like probably like two thousand eight when they did that. But we took 2007, mm. I didn't stay in that house, you know. Mm. So for a period of time, I actually stayed, ended up staying with my older brother mm -hmm. for a period of time. Cause, and it wasn't like subconsciously, I told them that's why I wasn't staying in the house. And I wasn't even deep, it was just mentally, I was just, I ain't staying there. Mm. You know, I, I just thought, I don't want to be here. I found other means to keep me outside, and those means were like, I had friends at their own places. So it was like, you know, when your friends got their own place, mm. yeah, we're always chilling. It was like a, you know, 17 house party was in someone else's house, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I had an excuse to not be at home, but not realising that excuse for me not being home is because I'm suffering a traumatic experience here. Yeah. Mm. But again, at 17, who knows that, do you understand? Mm -hmm. So like, even when my dad was like to me, like, are you okay? Like, you know, for me, it was like, yeah, I'm fine. And he would sit down and he would talk to me and say everything would be fine. You know, I remember my mum's sister, and I want you to remember this part, is my mum's sister, you know, she came to the house. And um, you know, she said to me and my brothers at the time, so this time I'm 17, my youngest brother's 10, my older brother's 20. And she said, you know, if, you know, if anything happens, you know, just know that I've got you guys. Mm. You know, I'm always here for you, love. And then this is where it goes to the next stage. I'm now going to be 25. And then my auntie passes away. Oh, wow. But the, the, the events to my auntie passing away was very weird for me because I remember a week prior, I went to her house, mm. and Marnie's like, my mom, they're the same person. Mm. Like, I went to her house, she's getting on to me. You don't come in no more, da 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 And I'm like, auntie, I've been working, da 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 so sometimes it's a stretch to come to Tottenham. Mm. You know? She like, make sure you bring your mom next week. Because they were going to party. And my mom and her sister were like this. They were like, batty a bitch. Yeah. She, you know, that was my mom's older sister. Mm. So I remember the following week, dropped my mom to Marnie's, we were all day, busting joke in the house, whatever. I've dropped them to Boardwalk Farm, they've gone to party. I'm at home, my auntie's called me, bribing me, saying, come get your mom. I'm like, nah, she goes, listen, man, I've got you two super moms. I'm like, hey, yeah, 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 you know, my mom and sister speak every Sunday. I was in my mom's house because Lisa's alive now. We've done. Mm. Um, in my mom's house, auntie's phone. And my auntie used to call me Jonathan. Mm. Don't ask me where she got the name from. She used to call me you know, Jonathan. You know, you know, <laughs> Jonathan. Jonathan. You know, that's what my auntie just gave I'm me. Get your super much. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that Sunday, I remember Wednesday. Um, I'm at work. Mm. My cousin phones me and goes, "Ah, oh, mom's ill." I was like, okay, she's in the hospital, so I was like, cool, 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 I didn't know. Does mum know? She's like, yeah, 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 your mum knows. Before I finish work, I get another phone call. Mum's in the coma. What? Mm. Again? So this is my auntie now. Your auntie, sorry. So my auntie's in the coma, I'm like, what? Okay. Cool, do you know what? I phone my mum, and like, mum, after work, we're going to go out there. Mum mm. says she's not going to work. Cool, we're going to go out there. We've gone to the hospital, you know, everyone's taking the turns to go inside. Do you know? Mm. Now remember, we're not in ICU again. Mm. So I'm thinking, shit, ICU, I remember this shit now. So it's all started to come back? It starts to come back in, but I'm processing it again. I'm mm. okay, ICU. So my mum's come out and she's very teary-eyed, but you know, you know, 
I'm not gonna say African. Black culture, mm. those that believe in God are very, you know, yes. Like, yes. You know, this is the problem. God, with God, you know, God is gonna get us got, through this. I've got a question for yourself. And then, um, so I go into the room mm. and I see my auntie and bam, takes me back to 2000. Mm. Straight away. Takes the shape back to 2000. Mm. Same predicament. Same scenario. How did that make life. you feel? I mean, we speak about the mental um, effects of it. How did it make you feel physically? How, um, how did your body feel like, at that time? It's like my body closed, but the family. Because it was all a lot of families yeah, there, but my yeah, mum's yeah. family that really be so funny because at the time my mum's family we were very close. Mm. So our family unity kept us in high spirits. Mm. For me, when I saw that, I was like, you know, you're a fire, you're like yeah, mum, yeah, you're gonna get through yeah, this. Yeah, because yeah. mum got through it. That's mm. all I thought in my head, yeah, mum's gonna yeah. get through. So to be honest, when I saw her, I my auntie's a fire. I'm like, you're gonna be cool. Mm. You know, and I left the hospital with high spirits that day. Mm. You know, me and my mum was like, yeah, man, I let me come. My mum said, you know, I know my sister, you know, just like my sister's like me with fires. I got through it, my sister's gonna get through it. Mm. That's the mentality we had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To be honest, was fooling myself because I should have really thought of, it's mad, but in life you have to think about the positive and the negative. But I never processed the negative. So I remember that the next day, I really true, I should have never went work, but I went work. I start at 8, by 8.30, I get a call from my older cousin, you gotta get mum to the hospital. Bye. Mum's not making it. Um, so I'm there and I'm like, I said, have you phoned mum? He's like, nah, I can't phone mum. I tell her. So I phone my mum and I'm like, mum, you there? And I'm like, she's like, oh, I'm at home. I'm like, let's go to the hospital. She's like, why? Let's wait till I said, nah, nah, let's just go now. Put your pressure on, let's go, let's go, let's go. So we drive and my mum's like, what's the matter? Why are we going now? I'm very quiet in the car. We get there. We get to the hospital. She's like, what's the matter? So my cousin's there, he's very cold. We get in the room and the doctor's explaining that, you know, he's wanted to throughout the night and she's not gonna make it. And then I witnessed my mum go cold. So I'm seeing my mum experience pain but it through a different emotion mm -hmm. and I can't help her. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? The only thing I could do is comfort her. So we're all, you know, in and out the room, in and out the room, you know, and we're still like, you know. You know, my aunt, my mum's other siblings have come and they're all like, you know, praying to God and you know, mm -hmm. you know our Ghanaians pray. But can I ask, yeah. so, when, so when things started taking a turn for the worse, mm. and you say you can't, you can't help your mum in the mm. way that you wanted to, is that because you hadn't processed the negative side of what was happening? Exactly. Okay. And also, I'll tell you as well was, it was like, rah, the woman that said, come on, my mum wasn't ill, but you know, she had medical issues. Mm -hmm. The one woman that said she had me in case anything happened to my mum, mm -hmm. but you're going. Yeah. So in my head, it's like, I felt alone. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I was very close with my aunt. Mm -hmm. Not, I was close with my aunt. Like, if I went to the house, I would banter with my aunt. Because my, mom was, my aunt was like my mum, so it was like talking to the same person. Mm -hmm. So it was like, rah, like, the one person that said, you told me a couple of years ago, you got me. Where you going? Like, nah, this is. Mm -hmm. This, this is not in the script. Wait, mum got through this. You can get through this, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, I won't say I'm being naive, but it was just like, because I don't speak about things, I don't speak with my older brother about things mm. and stuff like that. I'm not processing this very well. So we're in the room, you know, we're all there. And yeah, right there she passes away. She passes away in front of all of us. And that was like the hardest thing to ever take in. Was that, was that? 
Would you say that was when the PTSD really started to take effect? I, I think it's that's when it started to take effect without me even knowing that I had PTSD. Mm. But I do know I fell into depression because that same year we went to Miami, mm. right? And I remember good we went times. to Miami and DR. Yeah, good times, good times. Good times. I didn't but know this, by the way. No, yeah, no. We, we no, didn't no. know we went to... Yeah, we, we went on holiday, yeah, yeah. yeah. 14 of us, yeah, right? and you we, wouldn't have... Do you know, I had a clue. But that was because I was under the process of just dealing with things mentally, yourself, not yeah. thinking about things like speaking, speaking out. And, out I, yeah. and I only remember when we was on, the, and this that was probably like about a good five months after, mm. I only remember sitting in the beach in DR, having a little like breakdown and kind of accepting she was gone, but not accepting her death. Mm. You know, I feel like, and it sounds selfish I say this, but like, I feel like if she had like cancer or something, I could have accepted the stages up to what was going to happen. Mm. Because I didn't, you know, you're there one minute and you're gone the other, mm. it kind of then started to everything. Can, can I ask what the, uh, what, what happened? So she passed away with septicemia. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we had a friend that had septicemia. Yeah. So I remember when he went through that, mm. it kind of then took me back to exactly. there. So I'm thinking, nah, I can't mentally do this anymore. Yeah. I hate hospitals because my mum's been in hospital. My auntie's passed away in hospital. My friend's not in hospital, the same thing that my auntie had. What is, why are we going through? Yeah. Well, why am I going through these stages of life? So yeah. it got to the point where every time I had a hospital appointment, I went there. So you were, you were basically taking all those links back to, for example, when you were 10. Exactly. When you were 17. There you go. When you were 25. Oh, and then, and then all that's going through your mind at this point, I'm assuming is, every time I've been in a hospital, I've seen the ICU, or I've seen someone going through terrible Nothing pain. positive comes exactly. out. The only one positive The only positive is your mum. Your mum coming. No, not even that. The only, uh, yeah, that, but the only positive thing being in hospital is my daughter doing oh, yeah, 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 And yeah. even that, that morning as well, where she was supposed to be um, born that natural birth, that her mum ended up becoming distressed and we had to end up going fear. Mm. So, you know, obviously, yeah, it, was, it was, it was like, yeah, I, know what you mean. I had to be what's playing. Were well, you thinking yeah. again, not again or something like that? It was like, yeah, not again, but obviously the doctors were kind of reassuring me that, you know, this is normal, mm. do you know what I mean, mm. you know? But for me, it was just like, what the fuck, bro? Like, mm. why am I going through this shit, bro? So you yeah. never spoke to anybody? You didn't see a doctor about this? Nah. But you knew you had a problem? I knew I had a problem, but I just didn't want to admit that I had a problem. I was going to say, see when you said that you, you was in a beach in DR and you had like a little breakdown? Mm. Like, was you by yourself at that time? Or I was by know? myself. It was funny. I had a, had a conversation with one of our, one of our bedrooms. And, we were, and funny enough, he opened up yeah. about something he was going through. Mm. So it allowed me to just open up briefly to him, mm. a fragment of peace. And he touched on something about death. And this is something that I pick up with myself all the time is, you know, we, we um, align death with sadness. Mm. But really true, when you look at it, Death is not such a sad thing because that person has passed away, has gone to a peaceful place. Mm. They're no more in pain. They're not mm. suffering no more. Mm. You know, and it's us that, you know, we mourn because, you know, we ain't going to oh, see that person that again. Oh, so are you trying to say it's basically like a selfish thing? Yeah, I've been selfish, you know, mm. to a degree. I'm still upset with her, but I was being selfish because she ain't in pain no more. Because, well, obviously, when my aunt was in hospital for that period of time, she mm. went through a lot of pain. She's not in pain when she's in a peaceful place. But also, you would feel, because she said to you that she's always going to be there. Yeah, I felt like you broke a promise to me. Mm -hmm. Not upset with her, but it was just like, it was hard for me to take in that process of just the way it all happened. Mm. So can I ask why, why, did you ever think to yourself, should I say, mm. you know what, let me sit down and let me actually try and process it, apart from the DR. 
I'm talking before before the other. Nah, did nah. You never want to just sit down. Or did you? Were you were you afraid of being in your? Own because my mum was broken, so I I was only being strong for my mum. Okay. So like when I get the phone call, like my mum's crying on a Sunday because he spoke every Sunday. Mm. So when I get the phone call, like for my little brother, like oh, mum's sad. Come to the house, mum. It's gonna be alright. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm now using whatever energy I've got to transfer over to my mum. Mm. To you know, mum, it's gonna be alright. But not realizing what the energy I'm passing over. Subconsciously, I'm damaging myself. Mm-hmm. You put yourself on the back burner. Yeah, I put myself, I put myself in the for my mum, and mm. you know, I don't regret because my mum, my mum would always do that for me. Yeah. You know, but what it did was it then affected my also home environment because like, sometimes I was living with my my daughter, my mum and my daughter, and I remember that I'd be cold <coughs> to her because my daughter's mum always used to ask me, "Are you okay?" Was so very silent, mm. very quiet, and I started pushing. Her way, like, mm. snap, don't, what do you mean? I'm fine. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I got to a point where she didn't want to ask me questions because the reaction I gave to her. Mm. Yeah. So it pushed her away. It was just mm. like, you know. You know what? This goes down to what Carl always says to me, you know, uh, when we have discussions about yeah. various things. And he always says, if someone's acting a certain way, sometimes there's a deeper meaning behind that. 100%. But remember, we were still young parents. Because yeah. I was mm-hmm. 22, she was 20. We're still getting grips. So we're parents. still getting to the grips of parenthood, mm-hmm. living in the house together, mm-hmm. and all those type of things. So, you know, all of that, and then and then you got me with my underlying emotions. Yeah. It was affecting her. And then also, what also happened, it, just to touch on our relationship as well, she went through postnatal distress. Okay. So, wow. So, so both of you are yeah. fighting. Both of us are fighting something. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what it was was, I couldn't be mentally there for because I didn't understand what she's going through. Yeah. I could only say, our oh, baby's going to be alright. You couldn't understand what you were going through. Yeah, yeah I can't understand you, what I'm going through. So, yeah. You're trying to understand but, what someone else but is going through. The thing is, with postnatal distress, it's common when women have kids. Yeah, yeah. With me, it's. Perhaps it's just in the mood. It's just in the mood. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's what it became to. My, my brothers and my mum's always saying, no, he's, he's having a period. Mm. My dad would be, they'll make jokes on, he's having his period. Nah. I ain't having so, a period. I'm so, going through science. So, so did you? Sorry, like, like, no, sorry. No, I was just saying, like, what, what, when? Okay, when did you get professional help then? Okay, so then it then stems to back to now. Sorry, sorry. Before the professional help mm. question, sorry, I just wanted to touch up. You said your dad always tried to say, "Are you okay? Yeah, are you okay?" What stopped you from actually just saying, "You know what? I'm actually going through something." Do you believe the culture has something to do with um, African culture? I just, I, I, to be honest, I wouldn't say my dad would understand because my dad, for some weird reason, he's cold, he is in line with our culture. Mm. I think because with the job he does, so he, he meets a lot of people, yeah. so he's in line. It's just, I didn't feel comfortable mm. speaking to my dad about and he all My dad made things very comfortable, especially when I was having my daughter. He made it very comfortable for me to speak about, you know, becoming a dad. But he done most of the talking. I just listened. Mm-hmm. You know, African parents, you know, that's that's they talk to listen. But um, I just don't know. I just shied away from ever telling my dad how I really felt. Do you think that your 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 two brothers, right? Yeah. How do you think they were for you throughout the same? Do you know scenario? what? That is a good question. Because my older brother doesn't really show emotion. Oh yeah, yeah. He doesn't till it ticks him off. My youngest brother, he is me with more aggression. Mm-hmm. So my younger brother, I could see when my younger brother was going through something because it's yeah. like looking at myself. Yeah. So I could always, you know, get to my younger brother in his head and be like, it's cool. Mm. But really and truly, I'm telling someone else it's going to be fine, but I ain't telling myself so, it's going to be yeah. fine. But 
I thought I had to tell him it's gonna be fine so mm-hmm. he could be alright because he can't gauge my emotions. Mm-hmm. I'm just being a bigger brother. Mm-hmm. Whereas then I got my older brother, I can't gauge his emotions because he's been the mm-hmm. So it's like the cycles, yeah. you know, repeat and we're just repeating the same cycle with yeah. each other. It sounds like you've just been selfless throughout this whole and sort of period. Putting other people's emotions before your own. Yeah. <sighs> Do you know what it is? I just thought that I could deal with it and I would get over it. And to the time, it got to a point where I fooled myself. And that's the issue. I fooled myself that I was getting over it, mm. but I really wasn't. And when I realised I wasn't getting over things was when my brother was stabbed. Mm. That's, that was the uh, initial trigger point for me to say, Mm-mm. it's too much. I can't do this no more. So you know. even then you didn't speak to your parents, but is it due to the African culture and you know the whole negative connotation mm-hmm. behind Mental health, because the minute you say, oh, so some, I've got mental health problems, they see it as, oh, the, the devil, you, you, you've got the devil inside you, there's well, evil spirits inside I, you. I didn't seek advice to after my brother was stabbed, because my behaviour completely changed. How did it change? I didn't even fuck about the world, bro. I couldn't care less, you know, I couldn't care about fire from work, I wasn't getting up out of bed, I found myself in my bed, chilling. Were you I thinking thought, about your family at this point? No. How long Your daughter? No. So um, he got stabbed in 2017. Younger brother. Younger brother. And the guilt behind that was because me and him was on the phone 30 minutes before he left and he was supposed to come get something off me. And I said to him, it's cool. I'll t- I see it and I'll give it to you. The guilt part of it is, had I told him to come, mm. maybe it would have not happened. Mm. That's, how, that's how I felt. Mm. And So you blame yourself? Of course, because I got the phone call. I'm the family member. That, because me and my brother are very close. Mm. You know, even though we're eight years apart, I got the call. Mm. And all I got called was your brother's been stabbed. So, you know, Finally, he got stabbed two months prior. Mm. I think it's not cool. This guy's got stabbed again. What the fuck is he dealing with? Mm. So only Twice. gets. Yeah, so he got, he got stabbed the first time, you know. In his arm, I believe. Yeah, in his arm. The second time was a bit more serious. Where was that? Um, don't even like get into it because I like, out of respect for him, innit? Yeah, for real. But it was very more serious because the state I found him in. Mm. For me, it was. Fuck. Like. And then I got to calm him down because he was, as much as pain he was going through, he was livid. Like, he didn't even want the doctors to touch him. He's going nuts. Mm. And um, I just remember getting to the hospital, just like, holding him in the bed saying, it's cool. It's over now. It's mm. done. Then stepping out the room, I just like, started breaking down the tears. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, okay, this is serious. And then after that, that's when I started to realise, like, okay, like, obviously seeing the effects that way had gone through, it then made me like, oh, shit, my brother, man. That's my brother, man. He can't do this properly, he can't do that properly. And that's where my behaviour started changing. Like, I didn't give a fuck about no one. You know, I know people would be following me like, oh, you know, you're right, man. Leave me alone. I don't even what my mind's processing for me to do and you're telling me to complete, I don't wanna know. I wanna ask you a question. Um, did you take your brother's mental health at that time into consideration? Knowing that he needed support at that time. I only told my night when he phoned me. When he was in the hospital, he phoned me. Mm. And we had a conversation on the phone about 3 a.m. Mm. And I broke down because it was like he giving me advice, telling me, You got a door, bruv. Like, you told me it's done. Mm. It's done, innit? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that was him trying to be mentally strong for the family. Mm. But no one, he was going through it. So I had to support him mentally because. It's like he done a Jedi mind trick on me. And then it, it kind of takes me back to when you got stabbed. Mm. The conversation we had. And, well, he was, I was 15, you were 16 at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the conversation you had with me was like the same conversation. It was like, 
you're telling me not to do nothing wrong. Really, truly, it should be the other. It should be. It should be. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, I did. I can't lie to you. You know, I, I was, I was, I was angry. Mm. I was like you, Prince. Yeah. I was angry. I was frustrated because at the time, you know, like I said, my mum did wasn't educated when it came to support mentally because mm. it affected me mentally. When I went out, mm. I was guard up. You know, the world that I once saw as you know, a beautiful world when I walked out, I felt yeah. so bulletproof, you know, I became fearful of that world. So yeah. I was carrying a knife, you know what I mean? And my mum was giving pamphlets about, you know, mental health support, yeah, therapy. Yeah, yeah. She didn't know nothing about it. She threw it in a bin, mm-hmm. you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I didn't receive that support. So yeah. I had to deal with that myself. And How did you? I had, well, like Prem said, we, we were close to going back for those guys. Yeah. We were this close, me, Prem's, your, you know, Kojo, we were all like ready. We knew who did it, you mm. know what I mean? And I sat here, I was in this room, I sat, I sat here like the whole day thinking, if I go for this, this ain't never gonna end. This is gonna be mm. a vicious cycle. Mm. Prems called me. He's like, yo, bro, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready. Let's go, let's go. Yeah. I said, yo, Prems, I said, let's, let's dead it. You know so Eli, yeah. it's very admirable that, you know, you were able to sit and reflect and say, you know what? There's no need for revenge, innit? Mm. Like, I find that really admirable. Cheers, man. Um, Carl, mm. have you... Me, personally, I haven't been in a situation where I've, I've, you know, had any physical altercation, like, for example, being stabbed or being rushed or anything. Have you had any... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any I, I, I was... Um, incidences. I actually jumped um, back in my teenage years. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was actually... I used to work, on, I used to work at um, a youth centre as, like, a junior youth leader. Mm. And I was on the way there one, one day and um, some some guys recognised me from where I live, mm. sort of thing. Where there's like a, which is where their rival gang is, sort of thing, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so as I walk past, I heard them like, kind of mutter the gang of names, sort of thing. Oh, Jesus, man, I hope they don't say nothing to me. Pick that like, one of them men, sort of thing, mm. do you know what I mean? And the kid, like, I remember the two of them like, came over, like, one either side of me, and mm. one of them asked me, I'm like, oh, what, are you, are you on a... One of, one, of these, one of those guys, innit? I said, nah, nah, not even, man. Nah. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to head to the community centre right now, do you know what I mean? I'm just walking past, yeah. He goes, nah, nah, I definitely see me around there. I said, yeah, because I live around here, innit? Do you know what I mean? But I'm not bothered. Yeah. So, yeah, man. And as soon as I said that, I had I felt one nasty flag kicking my back, sort of thing. I'm on the ground. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I don't even want to laugh. That's so yeah, disrespectful, Black. Yeah, it's sensitive. Like, your, ch- your chest goes <laughs> out like, yeah, that's yeah, so And I'm just hitting the ground heavy, and then, yeah, man, there's this, like, four guys on top of me just. And how, how how were you feeling in that moment? Do you fear, you know, anything further happening, being stabbed or? To be honest, you know, I didn't, you know. Okay. I was just kind of protecting my face, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 was what was crazy was that going from head. What I could think about the fact that like it wasn't hurting, which is crazy. Do you reckon that was the adrenaline? The adrenaline. It must have been. I don't know, but I think you're like this ain't doesn't hurt sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Were you, were like, you affected after that though? Oh yeah, like, mentally. Yeah, I mean. I think like that that day didn't kind of really register in immediately because mm-hmm. like, I think after like like I got up and like they started like kind of running like into their bits sort of thing. I kind of chased them for a second. I thought wait hold on a second they were not running there with them and stuff. Mm. But like I called I called a couple of my guys. Um, two of them came down. Even my even my dad came down. Like, oh, kind of wow. ready to go. You know what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say? So I like, forever love my dad. Like. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean after that I think. It didn't really kind of settle me to the following day, but I was thinking, like, right, I should have been jumped and that, do you know what I mean? Mm. And I kind of felt away. Also, I was afraid to go outside, but I was 
I was conscious and cautious when I was outside. What did you find like for you as in like because obviously getting rushed is a serious thing, mm. and obviously you're always gonna, you know, at some point you might meet these guys again. Yeah. Mm. What did that do to your mindset? Because there was always a possibility that you could, put, you could potentially bump into these guys again. Mm. You're, you're, you're going actually, to work. Yeah. yeah I mean, this is the thing. This is the thing. Like for me, I think like even I think it was like a week after this actually I wasn't even go I wasn't even looking for them, the guys as well because I knew I kind of know around where he lives sort of thing. Mm. But so you wanted revenge? Yeah, initially mm. sort of thing. Um, but I thought it didn't, didn't really make no sense. You know what I mean, you gotta look at it like, as men we're built on ego, yeah. ego and pride. And this is the thing that could have went two ways, yeah. right? You could have that incident could have taken you down the wrong road. Mm. Yeah. In the sense that you could have said, you know what, I want revenge, so I'm gonna look for these people mm. and then mm. next thing you know, like just like Eli was saying, a revolving door sort of thing. Like, it just thing. keeps going on, keep going on, keep going on. And that could have been the end of Carl Johnson, you know, today, do you know what I mean? Mm. Sort of thing. Um But yeah, I mean for for me, again like I, I wouldn't say that like, I fully Fully settled with it, you know what I mean? It's still like I, I still got like my what's about going to walk around. Like, like when you see a group of boys, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But so that's so. changed your mindset. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think for everyone it does. Yeah. Still, yeah. You, you, you fall into the, you know, you know, it's mad when you see stuff and like just I put out there like mm. we we get mad when a white person sees a group of black boys and they cross mm-hmm. the road. But actually, to be honest with you, we all do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. just that we just get mad when another race does it. You know, this is the thing. Justin Justin touched on that in his mm-hmm. interview mm-hmm. where he said he was driving with a young a young mm-hmm. black boy, and they drew he drove past a group of white boys and he was like, "How do you feel?" He said, "Nothing." But then when he drove past a group of black boys, he asked him again, "How do you feel?" He goes. Like he feels like his heart's racing, he's his heart's beating a bit yeah, faster. Because we've got we've got an intimidating aura about us, unfortunately, and sometimes the the connotation behind it is real. Mm. You know, we you walk past a group of black boys and you might get trouble. Mm. You walk past a group of black boys and they might say, "Ah, you're right." But but the same can be said by walk, you know, walking past a group of white. A hundred percent that that can be said, but at mm. the same time, it's because because round because round where I am. Um, there, there are. There, there used to be a group of gypsies, yeah, okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they used to cause trouble. Hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? Like havoc, bro. <laughs> but <laughs> I havoc. think, I think, in, I think, in terms of like, not in a rude way, but if you're gonna go up against gypsies, you know you're getting they can box, mm. so you gotta get ready to fight. Mm. But unfortunately, with our, with our, with our, our people, we're going up against a, a fight. Someone may have a knife. Yeah. Mm. Not saying yeah. may not have a fight, but mm. they're known to fight with their fists. Mm. That's how they talk to fight. No, but that was just that was just an example of them. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I was yeah. talking about them being white. That's what I was talking about. No, but saying, obviously that's what that's, that's the difference I'm trying to make. And I'm not saying like oh we're like we're less of we're less. Remember growing up, we fought with our fists mm. yeah, yeah, before yeah. knife crime came in. We fought with our fists, but you know it's yeah. it's changed now and. The question you have to ask yourself again is why are we now fighting with knives? Because I tell you why a lot of kids are suffering with PTSD because they've gone through they've gone through a traumatic experience. Yeah, they don't know how them, to do yeah, with it. They, they, they're not getting the closure that they've got from the situation. Yes, so they can yes. only think that, you know what, if I'm going to roll on road, I need a knife. Yeah. Yeah. Do you understand? And yeah, I, don't, I don't want to repeat of what yeah, I've done. And then yeah. the longer that situation goes, that knife turns into a gun. Yeah. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So they don't get the mental the mental help that they need, or just the understanding of, do you know what? Mm. Like, it's happened, you know? Yeah. Did, how do we move forward? And obviously when I talk about my experiences on terms of whatever, whatever was happening, I just didn't get the 
I'm not because obviously I wasn't opening up. My yeah. was, I just wasn't open up, so I yeah. couldn't get the, you know, Chris. This is life, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are the stages of life. I just kept on harboring feelings. At some point, having a little guilt to myself or thinking to myself, ah, oh, she's gone. Yeah. I'm upset or this happened to my brother. Mm. This and that, and then I'm then pushing everyone away because I'm battling with myself. Yeah. Mm. I'm not starting to battle myself. As in to say, so, sorry, Frank. So you say that, but how bad did your PTSD get? How I bad? Got to you tell I isolated myself from everyone. I wouldn't talk to them. I could switch off my phone. I didn't want to interact with people. It was just work. Um, <clears throat> my, my daughter's mother, she was sitting right now. She would tell you, I'm, I would come home and go straight into the room. Did you ever want to commit suicide? I got to a point where I did attempt to commit suicide. Where, well, um, I was suffering from seizures. Where my body just started seizing up, and I think because of PTSD, PTSD. It, it it played its part because I got very stressed. I then fell into a cycle where I just started working consistently. Mm. Um, by that time, you know, me and my daughter's mother had split up. I'm at home, mm. so I'm by myself. Mm. So therefore, my thoughts are even. I'm now. I've got so much time at home to think about the negative, never mm. the positive outcome. Just carrying on with life, and basically, I suffered from seizures. So I was signed off work for three months, and I was at home. I stayed with my mum mom and dad for a little bit, but it felt weird moving back, so I went back home. Mm. And as I was, it was just one day, my body just kept seizing up like every half an hour, half an hour, and then that was the lowest of lows I got to. Mm. And I just said to myself, I thought about everything I was going on. I was like, I can't do this no more. I ain't got the strength to be here no more. I ain't happy. I can't offer happiness to no one. I can't offer happiness to myself. I've got no purpose to be so I took an overdose, I'm not gonna lie to you, I took an overdose. Overdose on what? Overdose of like medication that I had, like medication. I was on a thousand grams of medication when I had my seizure every day. Mm. So I take up to a thousand grams, oh, it was actually two thousand, a mm. thousand in the morning, a thousand at night. So I ended up taking like nearly six thousand grams of medication. Okay. And by God's grace, you know, I'm what happened? What happened when you took that though? I remember just sitting in the sofa and just fading up and waking up in hospital. Did you, you when you were, in that suicidal mode, mm. let's say, did you ever think about your family, your daughter? Because you know, I just, I, I just think I about can't my life. For me, it's a bit of a selfish move because you know when. Yeah. You, listen, I used to take the train, Bakerloo line, right? Yeah. And every every time it hits five or six, someone's jumped on the tracks, and I used to be very insensitive to, yeah. to that. I'd be like, bro, why do they always pick five when I'm <laughs> coming back from school? Why? You, you know, know what, what I mean? But then, then I started thinking. This is happening too many times. There must be a reason. Do you know what it is? Five, six, you, after work, you're going you know back home to you, your wives. Something's going on. You get to a point in life where, and I felt, I thought like that at one stage. I used to feel like that. But you get to a point in life where you as the individual, there's only so much you can stomach. I kind of blame myself for, I blame myself partly for my relationship breaking down. I had mm. blame myself partly for my brother. Mm. You know, I... Felt like I couldn't help my mum during a period stage of my life. I was always upset about my auntie's death every time it came around to that year. Like, you know, it, it just affected me. So I was dealing with so many things that I had never spoke about, mm. but I actually was in the process of speaking about, speaking with someone else, but I had never spoke to my family about, but I was in the process of just dealing with things where in my head, my head couldn't take no more. Mm. So I just thought the better option for me was, because at that time I, I kind of robbed my family the wrong way. Mm. So it's like, they had enough of me. Because I would I would go to my mum's house and not speak to my mum for like another week. Mm. My dad, my dad always used to come over to my house. It was only my me and my little brother that spoke, and my mm. older and my two older cousins that spoke. I kind of isolated myself. The man then would check for me, this and that. We would talk, but I wouldn't go deep, deep. into deep. What, yeah. what I was dealing with. 
And then I just got to that low point. And you're right, I was selfish. It was no, you're right to say it was selfish, but I didn't feel I was being selfish because mm-hmm. I always believe that if I can't offer myself happiness, how can I offer my child happiness? You know, someone said to me once that suicidal thoughts are like a business plan. Yeah, hear mm-hmm. me out. You keep it in your head, yeah. and it makes sense to you in your head. Yeah. And then once you open up and you start speaking to someone, that's when that person starts picking holes in your business plan. Like, are you sure this is what you want to do, for example? Or, you know, this doesn't make sense or that doesn't make sense. And you get to that realisation. Well, mm-hmm. you can't say, am I sure? Because I did it. I attempted it. I did it. I put no, myself but the point I was making yeah. is if someone was there for you to speak, speak to in that moment. Uh, 100% maybe my perception of it would have changed. But I remember that at that time, mentally and physically, I was going through changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mentally, I'm not there. Physically, my body, I lost three stone. Now, I'm not the... I'm not a big, big guy. guy yeah, yeah. So to lose three stone and slim it down and I'm wearing clothes and my clothes ain't fitting, probably have to buy new clothes. I started like, wow, this shit is kind of mad. And, you know, my daughter is the apple of my world. Do you know what I mean? She's, she's everything. So by the time I couldn't offer my daughter anything. My daughter yeah. would come stay with me during the times where I was going through this. You and was like, just like, okay, I'm just going to do normal daddy yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And she could sense something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Kids do. So it got to a point where it was like, I'm not gonna lie, I just felt there was no point of, not parents, Chris not being here no more. It's very interesting, because you, you never understand the psyche of someone that commits suicide. But I understand what you just said there. He said, you kind of broke it down. Yeah, said, yeah. not parents, you said Chris wasn't gonna be here. Yeah, because, so you know. What do you, what do you mean by that? Alright, because. Because it's like you separated your. your in, 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 in reality, I'm two different people. Mm-hmm. When I'm out doing Supreme Team or whatever, I'm parents. That's what you get. Mm. You get, and even and if you've known me for a long period of time, way back, like you would know, you would know the difference. You mm. you would associate Prem to Christmas as the same person, mm. which you're right to do that. Those that don't would always know premises because I don't show you my side of life. Mm. I, but I keep my family life very personal. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And like I said, I was still going out while I was going through all of this because you saw Prem. I kept the image up, a facade up for people. Mm. You and know, that's the key word there, facade. Facade, yeah, I kept a facade up for people because I was mirroring my pain. Mm. And raving, I love raving. So that was when I was happy. Mm. So you're, you're, you're still catching me in a in a positive moment because mm. I'm in a happy environment. Yeah. I like raving, I like music. Like anyone will tell you, you come to my house at 2 a.m. in the morning, my neighbors will tell you mm. that Arsenal's playing music. <laughs> that's, that's me. Mm. And music takes me into a different zone. So going to raving took me into a different light. It was only till one day I went raving and that's when I realised, yo, I ain't me. And, you know, I'm grateful to a couple of people that put it, that spotted surf and were able to speak to me, you know, but that suicidal point, that was, that was the lowest I've ever, that was the lowest of lows mm. I got to. And, you know, I remember waking up and my dad was in hospital and my dad just looked at me and said, you're gonna be all right, son. And that was the first time my dad has said, well, as parents says, you're going to be all right. He was always hit with, we're going to pray about this. Mm. And sometimes, you know, I don't want to hear prayer. Mm. Like, I love God, but I don't want to hear prayer. Like, That's the African culture. Yeah, though. I want to hug. Mm. Just hug me, man. Mm. You know, sometimes as men, I want to hug. It's, you not, mean? it's, not, it's not a moist thing or nothing like that. Like, mm. you know, I've got friends that lost their, like, like don't have their mum and dads. Mm. And sometimes I, my cousin will always say to me, boy good to have your dad or my cousin would tell him, like, why? Mm. Good to have your brother. Sometimes I just wanted a hug, mm. you know? So it got to a stage where, you know, I seeked help through, we have a wellbeing program at work and I seeked help through there. Mm. I've done a couple of seminars and in a seminar with other men that were struggling for PTSD, I saw men from different ways of life, also ways like, mm. 
Knit Wolf here. That, that, just different ways. And I realised we've all got the same similar problem. We've got too much pride to open up. And then that led me to write like a kind of like a little message to my mum and dad and my brothers. Through and therapy? Yeah, through therapy. So you, you got therapy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was going through therapy at the time. Even when, when you committed suicide? No, so when, by the time I committed suicide, I had stopped going to therapy. I was, oh, doing okay. to these, I was going to these seminars, but it's open seminars for men. Mm. Um, through a wellbeing program. Mm. Um, and um, what kind of led me to kind of then basically, and only to recently I've opened up about this fully that people now aware that I have PTSD was I was with my friend um, CJ who was in KFC and CJ had been going through a lot of things and I remember just talking to him and he was like yo Prince I'm good my brother and he started smiling and we go 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 to and when he started smiling I was like hey, what, CJ CJ yeah and I said I said CJ you for real he's like Prince my brother I'm good and I don't know what aura he sent over to me but it allowed me to go home that night and write mm. everything I was going through. And I remember my mum phoned me and she said, I love you, son. And I was like, boom. That's, that's it. it that's, that's what you wanted. wanted. That's all I ever wanted. My brothers opened up and I was like, that's all I ever needed. And then we started talking. Mm. And then I started getting, obviously I haven't got the explanation for things that's happened. I don't want no explanation. I don't want no sympathy. Mm. Because it's not sympathy I wanted. I just kind of just wanted Reassure that you are going to be okay. Mm. What you're going through is normal. Mm. But you need to start speaking about what you're going through. And obviously, like, you know, we sat down, yeah. you know, and we, we I started, people started speaking about, obviously, asking questions about suicide. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and when people told me, oh, it's selfish, I'm like, that's fine. You know, I hear you. Mm. But you got to be in my shoes. And I don't want ever, no one to ever be in my shoes. The only thing that I just want men and guys, just men in general, to if you're going through something, just find a way to speak up about it. Because I killed myself for about nearly a decade. I'm not speaking about it. Wow. It messed yeah. me up. Mm-hmm. And as, as the decade was going on, as long as I weren't thinking about it, I was just going on life, processing life. I never seen life had a good time, going on holiday, had fun. But when reality hit back, it was like... Uh, so when you were alone by yourself? Yeah, when I when I was mm. alone by myself, and I thought, you know, when I first broke up with my daughter, my first thought, yeah, freedom. Mm. Nah, that was that's when reality was then, you know, you know, like with that little time I have to myself and thinking about things, and you know, when I started having seizures and I'm sitting in the hospital, I'm just like, are you having sorry? Are you having seizures because of your PTSD? I'm medically because I have I'm diabetic, so diabetic. obviously it's like the mental state. Kinda also allowed the the the, the yeah to then take its place. Yeah. So it was like two things acting in one, and obviously having seizures. It mentally messed me up. Mm. I've never had seizures, mm. so to start having seizures is just like a feeling of no control. Yeah, that's when I believed I lost control of everything. Cause I couldn't. I had no control of my body. Mm, yeah. You know, not only just my mind. Mm. I had no control of. You can have control of your body. That's fine. But once you lose control of your body. That was it, because I couldn't control when my seizures were happening. At times I thought I was fine, kicks in out of nowhere, you know. And that's when, you know, I kind of went downhill. The, it's weird, the way I kind of got over it was just, you know, taking time out, left the country for a bit. Seminars. And yeah, the, sem- the seminars helped because it allowed me to understand things from different different people from different ways of life mm. that it made me realize i ain't alone mm. but 
the biggest thing for me was opening up to my family because I kind of felt like, like you said, the cultural language, certain associated, yeah, certain yeah, terms that might get used to it was Badamni. Yeah, it, like you know, it would it would set me into a rage. Evil spirits, but all of that. Even like till the other day when we kind of put up the promo that I was gonna do this, and it's just the love and the response I kind of got, and I can yes, the love is nice, but I don't want the love. Do you know what I mean? This is not a sympathetic thing. Mm-hmm. This is an avenue to let people know that, you know. Go and share this. Go and share it. And obviously, like, when you look at me, you know, you see me out bubbly. I was out yesterday night. Mm. Like, I come and got angle. Mm. But, you know, <laughs> you know, but to let people know that I'm human. Mm. I don't ever get it twisted. I go through problems as well. Mm. So if you're going through something right now, like, I just want people to understand this, talk about it. Because there is someone there that will listen to you. And the thing mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, that's a good point because no one's problems is bigger than nah. another person's problem. Mm-hmm. They're all the same. It's like a problem's a problem. No sin is greater than no other. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I realised that the problems that I was facing were just things that, you know, maybe if I took time out mm-hmm. and when my dad was asking me, am I okay? opening up to him and hearing where he was coming from or when we're sitting on with the men and breaking a bottle of brandy and we're talking about life you know open up because at that time I don't want to feel like I'm moist Mm, not to say I'm a hard man I ain't no gangster I ain't no Mm -hmm. bad man I'm a I'm a dad I'm a working man I've got my business with my boys on the side you know I don't portray no such lifestyle image I'm anyone that you mention my name to anyone they'll tell you it's nothing but love do you understand Mm -hmm. what I'm saying Unless you kind of rock it the wrong way, but and people think that therapy, seeking therapy, seeking help is a is an upper class thing. Yeah, it has it, to be an it, upper class problem. Yeah. It's an you, upper class problem. When you watch movies, right? Yeah. Like for instance, you always see someone in a high profile job seeking mm. therapy, mm. not realizing that nah, there's us. You know, we're normal yeah. people. Yeah. We also sometimes need therapy as well. You is know? it free? Your seminars that you go to? They are. They were free. They were free. They were free, but I don't mind paying and listening to other guys and hearing their point of view. Obviously, we always speak about um, mental health be- it being an upper class problem, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know. But like you were saying before, like we had this conversation. You said like when you watch films and everything else, you always see like you know not to be racial stereotyping, like a white guy in a suit, yeah, going and sitting in front of a therapist and. You know, paying. It seems like they pay for it. Even when you watch it in the movies, it's it's always associated with the upper class. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's never associated with, unfortunately, the working class. Mm. And um, the stigma behind it here is, unless you know, you go through the NHS and you're waiting for time, you got to then pay privately. Yeah. And obviously, you know, for a working class person, it's hard to have that money to go and pay for therapy. Mm. You know, every week mm. they're very expensive. You know, a session alone could be an hour, ninety, ninety pound. Mm. You know. That's just minimum, no, it's a maximum. So you find it to be an upper class room because they can pay for those sessions. Mm. But mm. to be honest with you, there are free seminars out there where you just got to research and find where their works do offer wellbeing programs as well. You know, mm. I think it's very important for people to understand that your workplace does have a wellbeing scheme, and it's mm. obviously due to depression being such a high thing now, a common thing, and stress. You know, sometimes seek through that, but then also therapy is your friends. Mm. And that's something I didn't realize. My my group of friends, like you guys as well, like you know, let's go off the script, man. You guys are my friends, mm. and having you lot there as well. Sometimes just even sitting down and speaking with you, lot, you know, for that split second, just when you phone me and say, "Yo, 
crimps, but now let me think, man. I should really just say, nah, man, that feels good. And allow you to pick into my mind and let me just mm-hmm. open up to you. Mm-hmm. So I think, as I'm talking as men, we just gotta be comfortable to start speaking about ways. Don't look at us like we're less of the man who we are because mm-hmm. sometimes we need we, we need help. Mm-hmm. There's only so much we can burden, take on as a burden. So mm-hmm. for me, it's, you know, my message just is to basically say that, you know, anyone that's watching this is, Prems is human. Prems has gone through things, but Prems is now on a journey to finding peace in life mm-hmm. and finding help and speaking about this. I hope that when my mum and dad sit down and watch this, they now understand me as a person, you know, that I will open up to them more about a lot of things mm-hmm. and just to hear their reaction, you know, and sometimes they may not agree and that's fine, I'm not going to be upset with them, but to now to understand that I'm willing to open up to them, mm-hmm. saving my <coughs> grand, open up to her as well. My uncle was very, you know, when I was going through what I was going through, my uncle was very helpful mm-hmm. because he had been through similar things that I've been through, so he was helpful, you know, getting me to a point to open up. Mm. Um, a few friends, they know who they are, I'm not really going to say everyone's names because it's a long list, but you know, were very helpful in getting me to a point where I am now where I'm at peace. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with myself. I, I accept what it is, you know, mm-hmm. I've got to live with it. It is going to affect me from time to time mm. because, you know, you can't erase those memories. Mm. It's life. I've accepted parts of it. I haven't fully accepted everything, you know, and, um, you know, it's a journey, you know. Now it's just to continue back with life, you know. I'm in a happy place with my daughter as well, mm. you know. Her spirit and her aura keeps me now going. Wicked. You know, I'm no longer in that place where... And I, I, I'm not going to say I'm past the suicidal stage because anything happened to get me there, but I'm in a place where that is at the back of my head. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, you know, there are guys out there that do have suicidal thoughts. And <clears throat> I just want them... If you're going to have that thought, just pick up the phone and phone someone. Listen, mm. mm. so, man, it's all right to cry. I ain't going to lie, you know. I one day just sat at my house and just had a... Big old bar. Yeah, I cried, I cried at your house the other day. Yeah, you know, yeah. listening to, listening to, I was listening to some Puff Daddy, you know, some, I'll be missing you, you know. Mm. I, stole, I started thinking about so many things and I just started crying. Mm. And then the same guy, PDD, pops up on my Instagram talking about, I just had a big old three hour, and I cropped that video and I put it up and it was like, it's alright to cry, mm. you know. Don't make me know this of a man. If you see this and you think, well, wow, Prince cries, he's a mm. bit of a pussy. You can think that you're fooling yourself. Mm. Because if you carry on life being that hard man, hard man, you're going to get to a stage where it eats your life. Yeah. I ain't trying to get to that stage because it's ruined a lot for me. Mm. And now trying to get to that stage where I'm trying to repair things, it's hard because I've caused so much damage with just my own actions. Mm. You know, yes, I was going through things, but my actions also destroyed a lot of things. So. You know, the messages speak up about because PTSD is real. It's not just coming in, it's coming in people that's been to jail, who's mm. gone through physical traumatic experiences. It's, it's coming within men, but we just don't know we've got it until mm. we go down the deep line and start realizing, wow, you know. But, but before we wrap up, it, like obviously, like I know it's, it's, when you go through things, it's important to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've in my mind, I haven't always had like a positive idea of therapist, uh-huh. only because I believe that a therapist is someone who gets paid, uh-huh. who gets paid for you to have a problem. Uh-huh. So why would they be interested in your you being fixed, for example? It was the comfortability of speaking to someone that didn't know me. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't feel they judged me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you can't judge me. You don't know me. You just ask the questions about me, mm-hmm. and 
you would always ask questions like, so what led to that or why did your relationship break down? Mm-hmm. Because you know they were non-biased. Yeah. They don't know me, so yeah, they can't true. judge me. So I felt free to say what. I, and even if they did judge me. Fuck you anyway, but really and truly it was the comfortability in speaking to someone I don't know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get that people speak to someone you so, don't know. So see, when, when, when you need someone to talk to, who do you think the first port of call should be? Should it be like family and friends? Or? For me, no, it is going to be my family and friends yeah. because they know me better than anyone else. Yeah. And again, the reason why I think I didn't speak to them was because I was sceptical about mm. them being... I, I just... I was scared of hearing the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm ready to hear the yeah. truth, so you know, I'm ready to go on with life. Oh, yes, cool, bro, that was a, it's an emotional. It, it, it's it like is. these are the things you've spoken about. That I've known you for a long time that mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So just, um, just to wrap up, what does the future hold for Premps? Well, see Prempe. Well, you know, obviously I got the Supreme Team there. That's something that I started years, mm-hmm. years back ago. But now I'm a member. Mm. I no longer look at myself as a founder because I'm with, I do it with two of my brothers that share the same goals as me. So it's our vision. Yeah. It went from just being a name to a brand. So we've got a lot of things in store. We're celebrating our fifth year anniversary this year. Mm. And um, it's going to pop off, man. So just look forward to what the Supreme Team family is going to do. Mm. And that's it. But guys, well, man, the Supreme Team is all about what? Just raves? Uh, at the moment of time, yeah, it is, but we've got stuff that we've, you know, installed that we don't want to talk about, you know, so, you know, 2020 looks, looks gonna, God gonna be a good year, man, but also I just want to say God bless you lot, man, for having oh, man. this, having this, um, this forum for us to talk up and talk things about, man, I think it's very good, man, you know. Mm. You, you know what, it's, it's our guest that make it special, you know, to be honest. Yeah, it's the well, guest. you know what it is, mm-hmm. some people may look at it just easy interviewing your friends, but yeah. not realising your friends are going through stuff, yeah, like, like you said, don't know you got new what I was going through, mm-hmm. so, you know, I want to thank you lot for allowing me to speak about this, because most of us probably would have never done this, so, mm-hmm. thank you lot, and just keep doing what you're doing, and, you know, let's... Let's get a message out there with so many different things. So, God bless you guys. Man. Yes, man. You, man. Big up to Prince. Listen, we'll be putting all the details out there. Um, if you're if you're suffering with PTSD, we'll make sure we'll put it in the description. We'll put it on Instagram. Um, and also another thing is, yo, don't if people want to holler at me and speak to me. This is it. Feel free, man. Like, we'll listen, put I will. Insta. Listen, put my Insta down, and if you DM me, I'll, I'll give you my number, and I'll talk to you on the phone. For real. You know, real. I, I might not even know who you are. I can't judge you. For real. You know, and I would never judge anyone that's going for anything, man. So, listen, man, I'm just here to help my fellow men and women yeah. overcome. Get to us at a point where we're about to overcome something. Wicked, so, man. Yeah, wicked. Them, man. Listen, obviously, that's Freezer Social. Uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe, and also leave a comment if you've been affected by any of the issues that we've discussed today on this on the show today. If you do have any questions, leave it in the comments, or again, just contact um, Prems directly, man. We'll if just be dropping everything. Everything, everything, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Freezer Social. Bang, bang. Yeah.